Alrighty, welcome into episode 36 of uh, the B&B uh, FC podcast. I'm your host, Brett. Brian's sitting across from me, taking a day off of the hosting. But the transfer season is upon us, and we see lots of drama already unfolding. We have Chelsea, you know, doing what they do best, finding loopholes in the system. We have a bunch of Chelsea players that nobody wanted, all of a sudden getting sold for overpriced Priced amounts from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Ancelotti shock uh, going to become Brazil's head coach uh, after the 2024 season. Uh, he's going to be the first manager to ever coach the Brazil national team that's not Brazilian. Uh, and then we're going to get into some of the deals that are basically confirmed or confirmed already. We're going to look at Bellingham, Havertz, Rice, uh, and then a shock. Phone call between Arteta and Sanchez, Alexis, that is. And then we're going to go through some of the uh, key players that we think may go or not go, and we're going to give our opinions on that. So let's start off with uh, Saudi Arabia and Chelsea. What's going on there, Brian? You don't know. Let me say it. Um, <laughs> so uh, what's, what's happening right now is if you've noticed in the transfer market, You've seen that there's a lot of Chelsea players heavily linked or already heading over to Saudi Arabia. So we saw Kante going to Saudi Arabia. We see Koulibaly. Uh, we also see uh, Zayac going to Chelsea. Who's the other one, Brian, that was linked Did to Chelsea? Did you say Kante? I said Kante. Koulibaly? Yeah, okay, those three. Oh, no, and Mendy. Mendy. So we have four players that are either going or possibly going – and keep in mind, these players are were had no transfer value around England right now. Zero. And a player like Zayic, who could barely get on the pitch last year, is now worth about $50 million to Saudi Arabia. So do you think this is the case of Todd Bowley trying to rectify some of his poor spending? This is an interesting one because you think about the legality of all this. Because what's to say... We can't just have, if there's, I don't know if you want to insinuate that there's some kind of backhanded, suspicious shit going on between between Todd oh, Bowley and Saudi Arabia. He found a sugar mama. That's what he did. Nothing illegal about it. Just scummy. Or Todd Bowley found someone else in his own league who wants to overpay for oh, everybody. Oh. No, but like, legally, there's not like, a market value is determined by what a buyer wants to sell or what a buyer wants to buy for and what a seller wants to sell for. And when two parties reach an agreement, yeah. that's your market value. But you have to think that Koulibaly's, I think, 33 now. He, he's he's older, so he's, he's got a couple. So really, from as far as a transfer value perspective, he, he can still command a decent wage as the player, but you would think, on the fair market value, he's maybe a ten or fifteen million dollar player. I'm not sure what Saudis uh, have, have offered to the Saudi club. Zayach is maybe a twenty five max thirty million dollar. Yeah. Say I don't know what Mendy's on there, but Mendy was the first choice keeper. I think Chelsea should keep him. I, I think he's better than Kepa. Kepa seemed to play the last the last few games. I think Mendy was. Was heard or wasn't available. Unfortunately, what's his nuts? Um, who's their coach now? Oh yeah, Pochettino. Uh, he he said he wants Kepa to be his number one. So, um, I will just say, like, I I get your point, but I mean, I have the tinfoil hat. I I believe this started with a, like a phone call from Bully 
to be like, Hey, like we have players that, you know, um, and I actually think it could be a step forward where we can, we're going to start to see maybe a relationship where a lot of 30 year old, 31 year old Chelsea players have been done their best day or past their best days are suddenly going to Saudi Arabia. So I don't like it. Um, pisses me off a little bit. Like I, I understand like the Neves one makes sense to me for like why like Saudi Arabia, cause they're trying to young, young up the, the squad and stuff, but Chelsea's whole thing, having four players from one squad automatically no. linked to it. That makes no sense. Help me understand what's, what's in it for Saudi Arabia, the clubs, cause what's to stop them from going? Cause they could spend 50, that same 50 million and probably get a lot stronger player Where? from another team in the Premier League. Where? Cause I don't, those I, players don't want to go. So you think Todd Bowley's pushing the Chelsea yes. players out the door? Yes, I do. Because I, as a, if I'm managing another club, for example, and I can get twice as much for a player by accepting an offer from a Saudi club, absolutely, I'm going to do that. And then it's and that the player doesn't want to be personal terms, it's off. But yeah, but you're not going to get those type of players. You know, like you're not going to go to Arsenal and go, hey. I want Gabriel Jesus. Jesus would be like, no, I don't want to go. No, I, I know the personal terms are yeah. a little squiffy, but as a, as another club, wouldn't you be ecstatic to get twice as, even if a player you weren't really no. planning on selling? Oh, I think Todd Bowley's going, hey, you're going to sit on the bench the whole year. You're going to Saudi Arabia. Well, probably with the <laughs> squad. Down, but no, but if, if, I don't, let's say, let's just put this from the Irish. I'm trying to think of who's an equivalent kind of player for like a, a Trossard or a Smith Rowe. And if, and if Saudi Arabia comes to Arsenal and says, well, I'll give you 80 million for those two guys, you're going to say yes. But here's the thing. That would never be a discussion because those players would be like, we're not going. But no, there's, there's the two distinct camps. They have to, there's the club, the club and club negotiations for the transfer fee. And then the player has to negotiate. You yeah. can accept the one without well, the other, with, well, when the no, other I falls that, through. I think Todd Bowley's is going to strategically make it miserable for them. To force them into that. Is it a strategic or is it just a matter of this is the reality of having the, as deep a squad or as many players as Chelsea do? Oh, I know you're playing devil's advocate, but we've already seen that Todd Bowley is is very much the type of person that looks for loopholes with his eight-year contracts to get over FFP. <laughs> and sh- like, it's like, this guy is not like a, it's not like he does, he doesn't try to find these, these yeah. ways out before. I don't know. For me, this just seems too intelligent for what Pot, Todd Bowley's cape or what I've seen, and because I think he's just trying to find a way with the with the back end loaded contracts to just how do we sign these players right now, and then ten years later we'll deal with the finances, and especially if the, if Chelsea keeps playing poorly and doesn't get Champions League football, the finances are going to run low. Yeah. But how much Todd Bowley wants to continue to finance the project, I don't know. Okay, here's the thing though. You're you're misunderstanding like. Todd Bowley's an idiot when it comes to football knowledge. This guy's an absolute mega genius when it comes to making money. Okay? Like, his team, the LA Dodgers, there's a big spender, too. How do they spend that much and they never do anything? He comes to Chelsea, spend, 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 do nothing with it. And he's he's just capable of spending and avoiding these things, and he's got knows how to make the relationships and make money. So... I think, like, I don't think, financially, I think it's a genius play. Even if you, like, he could create his own farm system 
just like the NHL and stuff do, where it's like now you're just shipping your players to Saudi Arabia right before they're or right when they're passing their prime, and it helps Saudi Arabia establish their league, and it recoups recoups more money, and you're not um, strengthening a, a rival. So financially. It's a scumbag move, though. I don't give a shit. I I, I fail to see because benefits to Saudi Arabia if they I think spread that around. Do you, do you think? Okay, here's here's an whether example. the owners want to push the players out the door. That's the other you, thing. You, but you think it's advantageous to the Saudi clubs to shop around and be able it's to? It's not. Not if they the, can get that money. Like there, it's a Chelsea. It's like a exposure from a big club and stuff like that. But they're like. I don't. I don't think you're gonna have the same clubs try to shop around and get the same result as with with Chelsea because of the situation with how many players they have and things like that. Like I think it's a unique opportunity that Todd Bowley finds himself in. Like I don't. Well, I know I agree that Chelsea is yeah. the only club that has kind of those higher profile players. Like, and that's what I think the Saudi clubs are. They want the names. Yeah, but they don't just, care about the the performances on the pitch yeah. as much as they but i just i when you're saying shop around i don't think they can go shop around anywhere else like it, it was kind of weird i mean maybe they can but it was a little weird that neves went he's, i think he's 26 like, that's odd but like well wolves want wolves knew that they weren't going to get a higher offer or anyone else and it was probably that came in and just like holy no, shit that's he, a lot of money and, and neves agreed to go so i think neves agreed to go before they came in with the offer but it's just that, I think that was like less of a that was like a weird one, and that's an individual. But it just it just seems like out all out of all the players that have gone so far or linked, there's like maybe one per team around the the uh, Premier League that are linked, and then you have five from Chelsea. But it is what it is. But I, I still think it's scummy in the way that like for example the Taylor Swift. They have fans that are wearing contacts and then selling them for thousands and thousands of dollars, right? And you go, you go, oh, well, that's smart because some idiot, I still, I, it's Wait, smart. so, okay, contacts so that have someone's eyes saw Taylor Swift yes. through these contacts yes. and now we're going to sell them. For Where is humanity gone? Yeah, I'm Brian, here's the thing though. I think that's smart, genius, but I still think it's scummy. You know, like it's like, because some idiot's going to spend that's got a pile of money he's going to spend it willy-nilly so i think it's kind of the same thing with todd bully is you know the money that saudi arabia can pay for these players they don't they wouldn't even notice so it's like todd bully's like oh hey you're not going to notice you know 50 million for this dog player so that's just how i look at it but one this is related and kind of not but kind of is it's interesting to see because remember MLS kind of making those big because remember David Beckham kind of shook the world was the first big name player with with still some years left in the tank to go to MLS and it seemed like they couldn't really sustain that momentum and I suspect money is the reason why because all these Saudi teams are ridiculously wealthy but it's interesting to see kind of the simmer the MLS we've seen some big names but it hasn't been nearly as consistent or clumped up together as these big name players that have all went to Saudi Arabia in the last six months. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes the dynamic of football. Jeez. I'm telling you. The scary thing is money talks. So it's like, when is it going to hurt some of the other? And I think, well, I, and I, I think it will get worse because 
today's player cares more about the paycheck than the crest. Yeah, Jesus. And by that logic, you would expect to see more and more and more. See, that's the thing. I'll see Smith Rowe in an Arsenal kit still. That guy loves Arsenal. Anyways, let's move on. In other news, we got Ancelotti going to Brazil. Once again, he's the first manager uh, to coach the Brazilian national team without being Brazilian. I've heard that uh, the Brazilian uh, fans have um, some mixed emotions about it. One, because they kind of wanted to keep it like, you know, every national team wants their coach to be um, from that nationality, but also they're worried because they're just going to have a caretaker manager for a year. What do you think about this appointment? Well, if after the 2020, because really you're eyeing up the, I, I don't know when the Copa America, if there's one. This, like, I don't know if this intern person is going to miss any in the Copa America. won't miss a World Cup, that's for sure. So it, it's an interesting one. You know, Ancelotti has a, a good, really working relationship with really the face of Brazil or the up-and-coming face of Brazil and Vinicius Jr. right now. It'll be kind of interesting that you kind of combine the I'm going to stereotype what we, how we feel players and managers for different countries act for a second, but you see the flair of Brazil kind of meet the rigidity and the pragmatism of the Italian defensive style. And, and it's not that Ancelotti can't manage. We've seen him manage flair players before and seem to seem to do okay. So do you think Ancelotti is that pragmatic? Not really, but I mean, just more the Italian nationality the, the italian style of, of play and not to say that there's, there's definitely brazilians that have more steel and less flair too in their game but i think that i think it's high time for change i think brazil's underperformed at a lot of major tournaments they should be going into every copa america pretty much right. as a favorite and they're always should be up there for world cups but it seems like they haven't reached that potential so i'm I'm good with it. And I think that real interesting thing, we could be coming into the golden era where we see some of these really successful club managers potentially managing national teams. We could have Ancelotti, maybe Pat Mourinho, maybe a Jurgen Klopp for Germany. Who knows at the next World Cup? You know, here's the thing. I think this is a perfect appointment because you, you've seen the, especially in the last World Cup, you know, Brazil doing all those dances, which I think are great. But I think what happens is when you don't have that manager that has that, like you said, rigidity, rigidity and uh, structure, not just on the pitch, because I don't find he's like, I don't think he's pragmatic like a Mourinho. I think he, you know, does both pretty structured. Uh, anyways, but what I find what I with, with Brazil is they weren't disciplined enough so like they are it was all fun and games until it was a difficult game and then they didn't they didn't have the mustard if you will to keep going so i think that the i think Ancelotti is going to be able to harness the flair in a positive way he's already shown to do that with a lot of big players how to get the best out of them still them enjoying their football but not to let it get away because one of the thing with a lot of flair players is it can get away with you you see like Anthony, for example, where Ten Hag had to reel him in because he just wanted to do fancy stuff for no point in the game. We can't have that as Brazil. And <clears throat> wouldn't it be something for his resume to get a World Cup? Yeah, it's over. Oh, it has to God. be over. Because 
really for me he's the he's the most he's the greatest club manager of all i think he's i think he's better than ferguson and really think about it, he's got the record for the most champions league and he's won a league in each of the top five leagues or what we call the top five leagues so he was he was after that fourth champions league last year he he took over from ferguson for me and and, and really it would become no, it's it's pretty much when Messi winning the World Cup, becoming the greatest player of all time. Yeah. Ancelotti doing it puts him at the untouchable place too. No, I I'm gonna enjoy it, but yeah, you're right. It would be really cool to see some more managers. You know, have Spain versus Brazil, Guardiola versus Ancelotti. Oh, but uh, anyways, let's get onto some of the transfers that have happened. Um, Jude Bellingham. 100 million to Real Madrid. Um, what a deal for them. Like, it's just, you mentioned this, Brian, so I'm going to steal it, but whatever. Is the, um, it's amazing that Real Madrid can almost keep going the way that they're going, compete for Champions Leagues, compete for the league. They didn't win either of those this year, but they never really have to do a rebuild. They just seem to be able to, to uh, switch out pieces as it goes through the machine and the machine just keeps going. So for example, Cruz or Modric's probably out one of them, you know, Bellingham in just like that. It's not, it's not going to have a season where it's a rebuild. So that's really nice. It's really upsetting and I'll let you get into the less professional aspect of it, but it's just hilarious to see Liverpool basically say that like fans were literally putting Bellingham on their shirt already. And then this guy just looks at them and goes, yeah, Real Madrid's the best club in the world. And he goes there. What did you think of that? That's obviously a shrewd move for the Spanish club. Like I, like I said, like you said, that I said, <laughs> you know, I was really worried about what does this midfield look like? Because Casemiro goes at the start of last season to United. Kuz getting older. Modric getting real old. But signing that young French midfielder, can't remember his name. I think you know who I'm talking about. Tusha. Oh, Tukamendi. Yeah, Tukamendi. Um, Camavinga's kind of can play, has been playing left back and play center mid now. Bellingham, a good player. And we always kind of young, Valverde there can yeah. play in a, in a lot of different positions up there. And having even having Cruz and Modric around to mentor those players is a, is a big big deal so for me Real Madrid can go back and really look like a team that's going to challenge for everything if they get the right person as their new number nine. Oh, absolutely get Kane in the same window um moving on uh Sky Sports Germany actually today right as we were um filming this podcast confirmed that Havertz will be going to Arsenal Arsenal hasn't announced it but it's all but confirmed um well, you get into it first. What do you think Havertz going to Arsenal? Well, I think it's a good a good move. About sixty million pounds. He's obviously still young enough, and he showed glimpses. He was really the only player attacking player you would say, maybe other than Jao Felix at Chelsea this past season that didn't play like absolute dog shit. Not that he played well or super great. He I think got seven seven league goals, but he's got some flexibility to play at different points across the. Front three, I think he prefers being either as a number nine or on the right-hand side, which I think is good for, for Arsenal because, you know, there's not you have solidified starters in those areas, but good competition for Jesus 
maybe we'll give Saka a rest because he can't be playing, especially if Arsenal wants to kind of challenge for different things. You're going to be playing twice in a week a lot of times for your Champions League group stage games or if they want to later in the season. So Saka can't play every game like he did this season. So I think you've got a couple good options there. And and then in Katia, bye-bye. You're not going to see the pitch anytime soon. No, I think it's a shrewd move. And and he's one of those players that I think in the Arteta mold of being able to kind of drift out of position and kind of cause some some mayhem. I think Arteta likes a front three that can be kind of dynamic and, and move in those ways. So I think it's a good deal. He's still a young player. Wouldn't say that he's at his prime yet. And kind of Arteta's building that reputation of kind of being able to develop players. So I'm confident he, he'll he be a decent signing for them. Um, I was listening to a, like, you know, everybody try to make sense on YouTube, the Kai Havertz rumor, and now it's apparently uh, a real transfer. And one particular example of how Havertz could be used or how, you know, Arteta might use him uh, made me turn a little bit on, on it, because I, I don't know about the price tag of $60 million. I, I really don't. But um, I heard that they were going to use, he was going to use him in how kind of Smith Rowe was used uh, two years ago in that it's kind of like a midfield position, but can often, you know, overlap a winger or even um, with the way that Gabriel Jesus and Martinelli switch and things like that. They were, they were having the perspective, the person that was talking about this had the perspective that Havertz might take a Jacker role a little bit where, you know, sneak into those spaces or even creep all the way into the box um, in moments where you'll see Jesus and um, Martinelli on one side. So I could see, because I just don't think he could be a nine. Like I get in an alternative way of Jesus, but he's not going to get into the side as a, as a bona fide nine, but I do think with his skill set, maybe he could benefit from sneaking into those spaces or, you know, maximizing his height, but we'll see. Um, Declan Rice, um, I'm hearing from a lot of sources that the only sticking point is uh, West Ham want more money up front. The deal's done, but it's just about working in the, if it's going to be paid over two, the hundred million over two years. I think West Ham wants like 80 million or something or 70 million or, or sorry, 75 or 80 million now. And then the rest, like in a couple of years, if they want or next year. And I think our, they wanted to pay 50 now, 50 next year. Um, so I think that's all but confirmed, but I think it will be with the, I was looking at Rice's uh, progressive passes and things like that. And the more that I do research on Rice about like, you know, the, the amount of, um, like he is kind of an underrated destroyer in the way that he like breaks up play and stuff like that. But at the same time, he's very good at going from, I would say the defensive third of the midfield, that pass up to a winger to advance the ball right into the final third of the opposition. He's very good at that ball. And that's what I think Arteta loves in a player from the midfield that can do that. You saw Partey doing that a lot last year. So having more players that, that can do that will be great. I think a hundred million is just about right with the English tax and all that. So. That's uh, Here's the thing. I think Declan Rice is a good player. We do 
oftentimes think that if he wasn't English, you, you, you do pay that premium. And here's the thing, 90% chance that, oh, it's a good chance he's going to be a good player. 10% Harry Maguire 2.0. No, hear, hear me oh. out here. here, here we've got two English players playing on mid-table teams, doing quite well for themselves, establishing a name for themselves, get the move to the big club. There's a lot of parallels right now. And I think Rice is a better player than that, but that's in the back of my mind is, oh, Harry Maguire. My, my thing about him is if you, if you talk, if you hear Rice's interviews and stuff, he does have that competitive nature. Like he got dropped from Chelsea's academy because they were saying he was too small um, to do anything. And he seems like a guy that's always trying to prove himself and he has the motivation to win things. So we'll see though. I don't know. I, like it's like it's the thing. If he was in Spain and he was still English, you wouldn't get that. But it's just from that bonus from having English players on your team. And there's a small advantage to that. Just how when you register your squad, you need you need so yeah. many players that have trained in England and yeah. stuff like that. But but I will say, I'm just gonna have to trust Arteta because I don't know. He's made some bad signings or whatever, but I don't know if that was because of a wage limitation or a sorry a finance thing where he didn't have money to play with so he picked certain players but you know he's alexis sanchez called arteta and was like hey can i have a return and he said no like apparently the reports are swiftly said yeah that's not happening like what a way like a guy you used to play with you know a club legend and you're just like you know like we're we're not going down that path of like Arteta does out. not believe in fairy tale. Yeah, like it, like and I get it. For Arteta, it's all okay. Let's what's the tea? Like I think if Arteta could or if Sanchez could still contribute in some way, he might give him a shot. But he's not going to do it just for the sake. Oh, he used to be a great Arsenal player. That's not Arteta. Some managers might be more yeah. willing to accommodate, but that's not Arteta. Yeah. Well. We only got a few minutes left. Why don't we get into some of the transfers? I'm going to start from the bottom because the way that you ordered it, it just gets spicier and okay. spicier. So um, Kyle Walker, is he staying at City or is he gone? I think he wants to stay. We've seen Bayern show some interest by the reports. We still got a few couple of years left in him. He might be one of those players, though, that could be tempted by a move away. Cancelo might be in his ear. Whispering, come to Bayern. <laughs> and he might be one of those players that has achieved, I think he's achieved everything. England, he's he's stayed in England for, for all his career. So he might be tempted to see what the money is. I, I German wages aren't extraordinary, so I expect City will be able to at least match or, or better uh, what what Bayern might be able to offer him. So I, I pick him to stay at City. Yeah, I think he's going to stay. He's not going to Bayern because... Um... I just don't think that you're going to have the Alfonso Davies, Cancelo, and Walker competing for whatever position. But uh, the other thing is, I the only club I see him going to for a retirement thing is I could see him going to Saudi Arabia. But I just don't know him as a competitor. I don't think he's ready for that. So I could see him staying for one more year. Uh, Casido, Casido, sorry. I think he's... I think he's going to go. Chelsea has been late. I'm not sure where. And and it's not it, – and for me, the sole reason, just because he's at Brighton now. If he was at a big club right – you know, when you think about these players that have these high transfer 
values right now when they're on a big team they're probably more likely to stay where they are it's just a rumor but a lot of the times a player on a team like brighton has a great season more often than not he's out that summer so i don't know where chelsea are the leading ones right now he might be interested by that he's a young player so he could stay with the chelsea project and it's not it's not like he has to win something in two years or his career's done so that's my take on it i i think he's gone too i I do think he's going to Chelsea just because why? Why would they? Why would Chelsea get rid of Kante type of thing if they weren't gonna bring in somebody? Not to say that Kante's where like at his best anymore, but that's just what I think. Here, I want him to go so badly, but Ten Hag still doesn't mind him. He's under. I I feel like he's gonna stay. I don't uh, think United are gonna sort it out in time. So no, uh, he's gone. For me, he's gone. I don't think it's yeah. If he, the small chance that he does stay, he's not the number one. I think he'll get a number one, but I'm leaning way more to see you later. And last but not least, Harry Classy. This expression says Harry Kane. Here's the thing: we've seen this show before. We think Harry Kane's going. He ends up sticking it, but I, there's no way in hell he's going to sign another contract with Spurs, but he still does have that one year left. So I think Daniel Levy's going to strong arm, strong arm him into staying another year, and, and it's going to be, he's going to have a miserable year and leave on a free and hate Tottenham at the end of the year. I think he's going. I have no, I have nowhere, no idea where, but I think it's going to be a late transfer. Like, I think it will be late, but oh, that's interesting. Well, Anyways, that's it. Um, this was Brett. Uh, that's Brian, and we'll see you in the next one.